Well, God gives great challenges for all of our government leaders to follow and challenges for us as well. But God gives us the ability to do that if we invite him into our life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And in five minutes time, we are going to study the Bible as we do every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We're going to study Proverbs 25. So make sure you get ready and spend some time with us. Now, for the next little while, listen to this. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? All right. Well, today and over the next couple of days, I'm still focusing on the time of King Hezekiah. Ryan? Today we read in Proverbs chapter 25 about heaping burning coals upon the head of your enemy. But what in the world does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to try and find out today. All right. That's very good. They're coming up in 20 minutes time. Janice? Heaping coals of fire. And she's coming up in 25 minutes. Take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. Let's listen to the Lord. Proverbs 25, 1 through 7. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of the great. For it is better that he say to you, Come up here, than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. Proverbs chapter 25, chapter 26, and chapter 27. That's what we read. Now, this is really, really interesting because he was the man whom God had anointed or set apart for the wisdom of God. And even though Solomon had the wisdom, he did not gain the heart for God that his father David had. At the end of his reign, those who wrote the history tell us that Solomon sailed off the deep end. Quote, but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonites, and the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn you away from seeking God. Solomon clung to these in love. I just read you 1 Kings 11, chapters one, or chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Solomon did not heed God's warning in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 3 and 4, and in 17, verse 17, and Israel suffered the consequences of that. And Solomon ends up writing a book called Ecclesiastes after he's done. David wrote the book of Psalms, and Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and it becomes very challenging now. This is really interesting today because Solomon's mistakes 
A lot of people see Solomon as the wisest king who ever lived, but nobody sees his mistakes. The Lord saw them. And if we pay attention to the Lord's word, we'll see them too. So take your Bible guide out, turn to today's passage, because this is very important. And let's focus on this. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, let me just say that you can call us or write to us and ask for a Bible guide. We'll be happy to send you one. You can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and click on the Bible guide page. When you click on that page, it takes you to donations. Thank you so much for your donations. We appreciate them. And that's what keeps us alive, keeps us here every day. And then you go from there to another page. You can download it exactly like we printed it. So you can have a Bible guide in your computer just exactly as it's printed. And I find that to be very interesting, a PDF file, actually. But let's go there and let's pray and let's ask the Lord to show us his way. Father, show us your way. You know, as we read your word, as we look at this, we ask Lord in Jesus name that you would show us why you've said these things to us today, how you've said them so that we can hear you because we have ideas in our mind. We have ideas and thoughts in our head. But I, I pray, Lord, that we would not take those ideas and apply them, but we'd listen to what you've said in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen. Now, if you're a Christian, somebody who's decided to follow Christ, then you're going to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit. I'll say something, but the Holy Spirit will stir your heart about something else. So listen carefully to what God is saying. Very interesting. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 1 to 3. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Oh, this is amazing. You see, God gives great challenges for our leaders to conquer. God has designed human leadership to search out and to discover godly ways to rule. Now, I remember in the time of 1969, I think it was the month of June, I was eight years old. I was at my grandfather's house. Uh, it was in Springfield, Missouri. And they, they made this decision on the news and they said, the men are going to walk on the moon. And the family gathered around the TV set, my dad, my mom, my grandma and grandpa and myself and Robin was there, my sister. And we we're sitting there watching and I watched this man come off of this machine and put his foot on the dirt of the moon. And he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. I ran outside and I looked up at the moon, trying to find them. I ran inside, looked at the TV set, ran outside, looked up at the moon. My dad said, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking at the moon. I can't find them. And he laughed and he told me the intricacies of distance. So it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and kings search it out. When we go to space and do these things, kings are searching out matters. Really interesting. Genesis 1 was read from the moon too. Another interesting scripture is this. Take away the dross from silver and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked 
from before the king and his throne will be established in righteousness, which tells me something interesting. Wickedness is able to steer a country in the wrong direction. Wickedness is able to steer a country in the wrong direction. God has placed Christians in the right places to turn from evil. I've said this many times on this program. I got to tell you, it doesn't start with us pointing our finger at a political party and saying, well, they did this, and they did that, and he did this, and he did that. We need to look at ourselves. What have we done? We need to turn ourselves around and say, Lord, I need to serve you better. I need to operate my business or my work or whatever I'm doing. I need to do it better. I need to follow Jesus Christ. It starts with us. Very important. Keep that in mind because we are in the place where if we maintain the witness of Jesus Christ, then God will turn it around because people will see that if we just maintain what the Bible says and keep it close to us. All right. Proverbs chapter 25, verses six and seven. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of greatness, of the great. For it is better that he say to you, come up here, than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. This is really interesting. We should never promote or blog or brag rather or blog about ourselves. We should not be prideful or self-promoting. I'm telling you, this is so true, especially in today's social media. It is God who will promote us. I remember somebody telling me, well, you just need to get your program out there and advertise. You need to spend $100,000 on advertising, just advertise. And I, you know, maybe we should, but I didn't think so. I prayed about it and I said, Lord, I don't have that kind of money. What, you know, and we didn't. So if you're watching this program, praise God. We're just teaching the word of God. That's all we're doing. We're not doing something that, you know, we don't have the money to do that. I wish we did, but we don't. So praise God. Our program's going wherever it goes. And we trust God to help us. And he has for 33 years. We need to not put ourselves out there as we're this person and that person and the greatest event ever happening here and greatest event happening there. It's the Bible. And we're teaching the Bible. That's what we're doing. That's all we do. We love the word of God because it is content is absolutely stunning, wonderful. And so we don't need to push ourselves. We need to focus on what God is doing in us and in our families. We need to get that straight. And when we get that right, God will be the one who pushes us. You know, it was God who did all the work with Billy Graham. Keep that important, important point to remember in your soul. And so, Father, I pray today that you would correct us and help us to hear you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, make it so. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. 
my purpose for living. Today, my report focuses on Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, which instructs us that if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, while the message of this proverb is clear, which is to love your enemies and return evil with good, what we want to focus on today is the result, because the result is that you will heap burning coals on your enemy's head. Now, this is a very interesting picture, and we want to try and figure out what it means and what it's referring to. And if you have your Bible Discovery Guide, then you can follow along with me on this one. So let's go. Although a human's natural tendency is to love his friends and hate his enemies, Solomon in Proverbs 25 verses 21 and 22 goes against the grain by suggesting to his readers that if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heat burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The Apostle Paul, who directly quoted this proverb in Romans 12.20, also admonishes his readers to do likewise. And the Messiah, Jesus, so too stressed this principle in Matthew 5.44. Interestingly, certain extra-biblical wisdom literature also admonishes such behavior. For instance, an ancient Egyptian work advises the wise person to shame fools or their enemies by pulling them out of deep water and by feeding them once bread until they are so full that they are ashamed. Similarly, the precepts and admonitions in Babylonian wisdom literature states that the wise man should not return evil to the man who disputes with you, and should in fact smile on your adversary. While this is almost certainly the direction in which this proverb is going, Solomon's metaphor of heaping burning coals on the head remains somewhat obscure. One possibility is that it's a reference to a particular Assyrian punishment in which hot asphalt was poured on the offender's head. The problem with this is that Proverbs 25 refers to coals, not hot tar. In fact, this Assyrian practice sounds a lot more like the punishment of tarring and feathering that we read about in more recent historical accounts. A second and more likely possibility is that Solomon was referring to an Egyptian ritual in which a guilty person, as a sign of repentance, carried a basin of glowing coals on the head. In other words, by being kind to your enemy, you cause them to become red in the face through embarrassment and move them to repent. But it's important to understand that in this context, coals of fire doesn't refer to revenge or punishment, but to the pangs of shame that will lead to reconciliation. Indeed, the imagery of the burning coals represents pangs of conscience, more readily affected by kindness than by violence. The wise and godly advice of Solomon, Paul, and Jesus is very clear. We must love our enemies and return evil with good, in hopes that our adversary will be moved to repentance. But even if they aren't, Solomon promises in Proverbs 25.22 that the Lord will surely reward you. Therefore, contrary to our sinful instincts, we must love our enemies and overcome evil with good, no matter what. So this metaphor may or may not be referring to an old Egyptian custom in which a guilty person, as a sign of repentance, carried a basin of glowing coals on the head, and just like their faces would become red from the heat, 
our enemies become red in the face from embarrassment because of our kind and loving response. But whether this is the exact image Solomon had in mind or not, the message of Solomon and Paul and Jesus is still crystal clear. We must never return evil with evil, but return evil with good, and love and pray for our enemies and our persecutors. Not only is this the right thing to do as believers in Jesus Christ, but by doing so, our enemies might be driven into repentance and actually become our friends. And becoming our friends may lead them eventually into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. An important life lesson from Solomon, Paul, and our Lord Jesus. It's really important to hear that God does not suggest to us that we get even. Because in today's world, everybody's about getting justice, getting even, and people are talking about justice. Mm -hmm. But the Bible gives us a different feeling for that. Absolutely. Very 100%. interesting. Thank you, Ryan. Very good. Corey? All right. Well, I'm still talking about the time period of King Hezekiah, but a little bit of a different angle this time. We're going to be taking a look at the, the um, burial formulas that we see in the books of Kings and Chronicles, because at the time of King Hezekiah, these formulas change. Take a look. The royal tombs and burials of ancient Judah present us with several mysteries. First, there's the mystery presented by the death formulas of the kings of Jerusalem. For almost all the kings, the Bible says that they died and were buried in the city of David. Burial within the city's limits seems to have been exclusively reserved for Jerusalem's royals. All the 12 kings from David to Ahaz use this similar death formula or saying and are said to have been buried in the city of David, with only five of these kings being buried in their own tombs rather than in the proper tombs of the kings, and for various reasons. This all changes with Ahaz's son, the reformer King Hezekiah. He's the first king whose death formula just says that he died. It reads quite simply, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors. Second Chronicles adds that Hezekiah was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. So not in the tombs of the kings within the city of David, but rather in a royal family cemetery nearby. Kings Manasseh and Ammon are then said to have been buried in their palace garden, the Garden of Uzzah. The next king, Josiah, is likewise said to have been buried in Jerusalem, not the smaller Acropolis of the city of David, and in his own tomb. The last four kings of Jerusalem all died and were buried in various exiles. So, this leaves us with questions that researchers debate. Where exactly were the proper tombs of the kings? Where and what is the Garden of Uzzah, and why was there a shift away from burial in the tombs of the kings and into a palace garden and personal tombs? Some believe that the ministry of the prophet Ezekiel initiated the switch. In Ezekiel 43, God indicts Jerusalem for burying her kings so close to the temple and for accompanying their deaths with offerings. In this view, kings from Hezekiah onward were buried farther away from the temple to curry God's favor once again. There's also an interesting cultural association with kings and gardens. Garden tombs located in palace complexes were kingly places of burial in the cultures surrounding Judah. So perhaps King Manasseh's association with Assyria led him to choose a garden burial. These answers have led us to our next mystery. 
What were the unacceptable royal funeral offerings mentioned by Ezekiel? We know from King Asa's reign and from a mention in the book of Jeremiah that it was customary to have a large fire in honor of a dead king. Archaeologically, there are no known remains of a king's burial in or around Jerusalem. However, from more common graves, it's known that many funeral offerings and perhaps even yearly offerings were given to or on behalf of the dead. These were practical offerings like food, wine, and spices. Perhaps these were also offered for the kings in larger, grander quantities, and at least the prophet Ezekiel did not approve. Now, later on in the week, we're going to be taking a look at some other mysteries, some mystery structures in Jerusalem that still exist today that may have something to input when it comes to the burials of the kings of Jerusalem. Because while we may not have their physical tombs, we may have something that's associated with it. So stay tuned for that. Come back over the next couple of days and we'll explore some more. I really like that. <laughs> Very good. Excellent, Corey. Janice. All right, so what's so much fun when we are sitting at this table that you don't get to see because it's in between takes is that after we hear what each one is doing, sometimes we look at that person and say, so what is it that you're talking about? And when Ryan uh, made his announcement that he was gonna be talking about the heaping coals of fire that we read about in Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, when director said, cut, I looked at Ryan and I said, so where are you going with this? And because that's exactly where I'm going to. So I'm going to just kind of reiterate and maybe add a little bit to what Ryan said. Now, I didn't get to watch his segment all the way through, but heard his wrap up beforehand and his wrap up after. So Let's read Proverbs 25, 21 to 22 again. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. And so you think, well, uh, I thought the Bible said vengeance is mine, says God. Why would God reward me for taking vengeance? That's exactly not what he means here. Heaping coals of fire on his head here doesn't mean vengeance. Because remember, vengeance belongs to God and he does not reward us for taking revenge. Now, it may refer to the shame that one would feel when that person does something and it's met with good deeds, as Ryan has so clearly pointed out. Here's what Jesus said. Let's remember this in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, it sounds really nice when you're reading it, but boy, it's a lot more difficult to actually do this when you're confronted with it. It's easy to love lovable people, isn't it? But not so easy to love mm, somebody who's perhaps mistreating us. And that's where we really need God's help. 
So just like you did your study, Ryan, I took a look at the Bible Knowledge Commentary on the Old Testament. It's a Cook Communications Ministries book. And here's what it says. And I think some of it is covered in yours, but here again, we're just going to, I'm just going to read it and put, put it forth here. Kindness to one's enemy, giving him food and water, is like heaping burning coals on his head, as quoted by Paul in Romans 12, verse 20. Sometimes a person's fire went out and he needed to borrow some live coals to restart his fire. Giving a person coals in a pan to carry home on his head was a neighborly kind act. It made friends, not enemies. So that's another way of looking at it. Also, the kindness shown in giving someone food and water makes him ashamed of being an enemy and brings God blessings on the benefactor. Compassion, not revenge, should characterize believers. We look at that in uh, Proverbs 24, 29. And alternately, light on the passage, and here's where I'm saying exactly what you said, may come from an Egyptian expiation ritual in which a person guilty of some wrongdoing would carry a pan of burning coals on his head as a sign of his repentance. Thus, treating one's enemy kindly may cause him to repent. So it's kind of two angles, isn't it? That's mm -hmm. really neat that in this way, this action would um, cause him to come to repentance. In this other one, sometimes a person's fire went out and needed to borrow some live coals. And there he would carry that on his head. Um, was it, That was a neighborly thing to do, right? A kind act. And it made friends, not enemies. So isn't that neat how we can yeah. just take different perspectives on things and apply it to the scripture? Because we know that we know that we know vengeance is God's. We are clearly taught how that we are to love our enemies, how that we are to treat one another, how we want to be treated. And I think those are the things that we really need to remember today. As you have well pointed out, sometimes we like to get even, we like to, you know, this or this. There's so much that we can say, but, um, you know, those who have chosen to follow the Lord, we need to follow the Lord. We need to follow his examples and ask him to help us. And we can't, we can't really do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And God will give us his spirit to be able to do that. So that's very good. BD, family and friends. I know you're tired of me saying the same thing all the time, but I'm, I'm just excited about this channel. And uh, I'll just say this one more day. And that is we do a program called Just the Facts 30 years ago. And we put that on there as well. So all our programs we do here at the studio and have done in the past are on. And they're on video on demand as well. So check out BD, family and friends on the internet, BibleDiscoveryTV.com or on the Roku channel or on the Firestick television. Either way, BD, family and friends, check it out. In the meantime, let's pray. Lord, help me to reset my thinking to your way, 
not my way. I need to think like you think, not like I do. Help me to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.